And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm here tonight with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Gav, I've missed you, mate. It's been a while. I know it has. Well, we're back on a normal schedule as possible now. Everybody's back. Pass can't make it tonight. He's uh, he's out alligator hunting in the Everglades trying to break the record. They caught one last week that was 12 foot long and Pass reckons he's seen one that's 13 foot. So he's going in and catching that by hand. But hopefully he'll be, he'll be here for uh he'll be here for next for the next episode but we are back to normal now we're back on normal uh we're back on normal schedule Jos, um how was uh how was europe how was the netherlands oh it was really awesome man honestly um you know it it was nice to actually remember what it was like to feel cold as well Uh, i'd forgotten what that was like um but overall yeah a, a great trip and um you know, I, I got to be honest, we, we really didn't, we didn't want to leave when it was time. Um, so, you know, looking forward to getting back there and, uh, but, you know, happy to be back on the show, of course. But next time you're back there, Albert Earpods will be the manager of IX. So you can, uh, you can go watch IX with that connection. Well, isn't it ironic that, of course, as soon as I move to a city where IX would be my local, um, they are bottom of the league. So... Well, the only way is up. Yeah, any Dutch listeners, I guess you can possibly blame me. This might be my bad karma. I <laughs> apologize. <laughs> All right. Well, one thing you didn't bring, bring bad luck to was the Arsenal, because uh, we had a fantastic result on Saturday. The The performance was, look, I think we're going to have to get used to this because we are playing a different way. It's perhaps not my favorite style of football right now um it's certainly not as exciting as last year but this is how we play now and i think we're all just gonna have to come around to it right yeah i think so so uh, like what like like what i'm seeing on the pitch and you know i mean i'm not like some tactical you know expert or anything um it looks like we're way more about control this season um you know like control is like the at most importance we want to uh you know have the ball most of the time nullify any time the opposing uh opposition gets into our half um you know win it back as soon as possible and um i think even though it can make for some comfortable watching like for instance this game i i i didn't really feel threatened at all, you know, um, but at the same time, yeah, it, it's definitely not the most exciting, but I think it's more in line with like what city do what, like, would you agree with that? Yeah. I think we're trying to win a title. That's what it comes yeah. down to. And we are reducing the mistakes. We're reducing the margin for error. Yeah. And I think, you know, control is a good word. It's kind of been the buzzword of the season right now. Right. It's like, like concrete was in the summer. Thanks for Brizio. It, it's been control so far this season. But yeah. honestly, I think the, the word might be patience. Um, that might actually be more apt than than control because we're all we're all learning we're all learning this together. 
Um, and there were times in that first half on Saturday, I was getting frustrated as hell. And then you watch the second half and you go, ah, uh, okay, I see, I see what we were doing. And I think you, I think we've just got to, we as fans have got to get used to that. It's not a style that we are used to seeing. Like I've seen evolutions of Arsenal, right? I remember when we were a very direct team with mm-hmm. fast wingers that used to hit the, we used to hit the wings quickly. We had Alan Smith up front who was brilliant holding the ball up and stuff. So that's kind of the Arsenal that I was introduced to. Um, scored a lot of goals, won the league on goals scored. So don't, you know, forget that boring, boring Arsenal tag. That's never been a thing. Um, I watched that and then I watched us kind of devolve a little bit more than anything else in the in the mid-90s when we were just a cup side. And then it started with Bruce Rioc and then Arsene Wenger obviously turned us into a completely different style of team. Um, and now we're we're evolving we're evolving again. And I think this to win leagues, I think that this is kind of how you have to play. I don't think you can play the way we did last season and win titles. I think that got borne out in the end. Um, we were too open and we got unlucky with some injuries, but maybe we got unlucky with injuries because of the way we played. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree. I think um, it, it, as much as I loved watching us play last year, uh, this is kind of the way you win titles. Um, you know, playing, you, you know, you're you're secure and you're in control 90% of the game. Um you know, you're still able to score goals off like, you know, some individual brilliance and, you know, clever, I mean, uh, Saliba, well, I don't want to get into that yet. Sorry. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wait, but, um, but yeah, I, I do. I, I agree. I think this is, this is the way you win titles. And even like as fans, if we may not find it as entertaining, I mean, if we lift a trophy at the end of the year, none of it will matter. Well, that's what it comes down to at the end, isn't it? It's, it's what do you want? Do you want that? Do you want that smash bang football that gets you off your seat, gets you excited? And don't get me wrong, there's still bits of this game that that did that. Um, yeah, of course. Eddie's yeah. third goal being a case in point. Um, or, or do you want to do you want to take a long term view and win stuff? Because I, I think there's a difference there. The way we were playing, I think you can win cups like that, as we proved under Arsene Wenger, um, where you rely and Arteta, really, yeah, and you rely very much on individual brilliance of, of oh, oh sorry Bam sorry or Alexis or Aubameyang um but if you want if you want to win titles and I think if you want to win at the top level then it's just that's just that this is just the way the game's moved yeah I think so I think um you know with all the money in the Premier League I, I mean I know this season has kind of some weak teams you know you've got like Luton and Sheffield and Chelsea and um but uh but um, I still think like the 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 standard in the league is so high right now, Gaff. That like you have got to be like great every game. You've got to control every game, and I think you know that that's kind of the mindset we're 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 taking. We even tried to control the city game. Uh, I don't know, you know. I, I mean, some maybe would argue how successful we were. I mean, we won, but um, I I I I like what we're doing. I think it's smart. And I, you know, I do think it's the right way to play, especially considering we were, you know, title contenders last season, we're uh, tied with City this season. I don't think Spurs keep up this form. I like Ange, and I hate to say it, I do. I like it. Everything that comes out of his mouth, I I chuckle at. I I like him, and it pisses me off. But uh, I do think they fall off. They're not very deep. Um, I still think it'll be between us and City this year, and I think we're 
playing the season smart. Yeah, I think Liverpool will have a Liverpool will have a say in it too. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think I don't think I don't think Spurs will last, but I think I think Liverpool Liverpool will be in it too. Just a quick tangent here. You sure. always say Sheffield, and I'm seeing people on Twitter and Facebook and stuff say Sheffield. Why Sheffield and not Sheffield United when there is a Sheffield Wednesday? Is it just because Sheffield Wednesday have just not been there since like you started? Because you're you're obviously a lot younger than me. So yeah. is it just because Sheffield Wednesday have never been a thing for you? Because I've seen loads of people do it, Sheffield, and it sounds so weird to me. Oh, Nate, yeah, apologies. So I, I really got into football about uh, 2001, 2002. Um, Wednesday has never been a, even a factor for me ever. I don't even think Arsenal has played them in a cup. So I, I, I don't think I've ever watched a Sheffield Wednesday game. So for me, Sheffield is Sheffield United. It's so funny because like Wednesday are the bigger club and growing. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. By a long, by, by a distance. And Growing up, I, growing up, Sheffield Wednesday were obviously the much better team. I mean, we played them in two cup finals in '93, so they've they've like always been the bigger club. It's just I've seen it so much over the last week with loads of Arsenal fans saying Sheffield, and I'm like, well, which Sheffield are you talking about? And it just, so, I just wondered why, from your point of view, it was just Sheffield. Oh, well, I, wouldn't you refer to Sheffield Wednesday as Wednesday since there's two? Yeah, but I also refer Sheffield United as United. I also refer to Man United as United. I know it's weird. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, but, that's... <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it's it's never it's never Sheffield mm. for me. It, it's just, but I've seen it a lot, so I just want oh. to ask the question because I've seen oh. people write in yeah. Sheffield, and I'm like, what the hell? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but, no, perfectly reasonable. Yeah, Wednesday mm-hmm. has never been um, uh, even a, a thought in my mind really since I've been in football. I don't think I've ever even watched them play. So. Well, Larry, I know you listen, so I'm going to apologise for uh, I'm going to apologise for Justin for absolutely dissing your team. We do know that Sheffield Wednesday exists. Um, he just prefers to pretend they don't. Sorry, Larry. <laughs> All right, so back to the game in hand. Um, the the lineup. I guess this is this is where we start, right? Because it was a very un Mikel kind of lineup. So he throws Kivior in. He starts ESR. He starts. He starts Havertz in that midfield. Uh, Eddie up front, I don't think was a surprise to anybody. I think we all we all kind of saw that coming. Um, how surprised were you to see a central midfield of Havertz and Emil Smith-Rowe? And how happy were you that Emil Smith-Rowe started? Because I think, I mean, I didn't think he had a particularly good game. I don't think he had a bad game, but I don't think he had a particularly good game. But I do think over the last couple of weeks... Emil Smith-Rowe is kind of coming back from the dead. Um, I think this is a huge net positive over the last few weeks for Emil Smith-Rowe. No, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I'm I'm probably his his biggest fan. Uh, I love me some Emil Smith-Rowe. Uh, I, I agree, though. I don't think he had a particularly good or bad game. He was he was fine. Um, I know he logged an assist, and I was uh, I was I was impressed with his. Um, his right-footed set pieces. I thought he took some really nice set pieces that were very dangerous. Other than that, though, I thought, you know, it, it was kind of a mixed bag. I still think he was better than most of Havertz's performances, but we don't have to get into that right now. Um, lineup, though, definitely, Gav. It it, it did surprise me. Um, I liked it, though. You know, I did. I, I think um, if you can... Um, rotate, why not rotate against 20th place, winless 
United. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're um, they're a they're a bad team too. Like yeah, they're, they're a bad. really bad. They team. were they're really as, bad. Yep. Yeah, they're as bad as any team I've I've seen in the Premier League. Like I remember years ago, uh, we beat Barnsley five 0 at home. Um, ninety seven, ninety eight. So Dennis got a couple, and they were really bad. And then we beat Bradford at home one year when they were, and we only won two 0 But the game was just absolutely ridiculous. And this was as bad as either of those games. It really, it, these two teams didn't look like they belonged on the same pitch. And I think if I was a Sheffield United fan, I think what would worry me is that there's League One teams that will come to us and give us a tougher game than that. And I think that would worry me. But I'm not a Sheffield United fan, so whatever. Um, but yeah, so Havertz was, I thought Havertz and Smith Rowe basically had the same game. I thought they were fine without being great. I didn't think there was much in it. I didn't think it worked as a midfield particularly. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. do worry that with with those two in there, I do worry you don't have enough creativity. Do you know what I mean? Like Havertz is a runner. Emil Smith-Rowe is a ball carrier. I don't think the creativity is there. I think I would rather pair either one of those with uh, Fabio Vieira rather than start the two of them together. That's kind of my take from the weekend. I I, th- I think you're right about that. That That's a good... I mean, I'd rather pair either one of them with Odegaard. Yeah, but I mean, Odegaard, but, yeah. Odegaard carrying a knock makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it probably is from that Kovacic challenge is, is kind of how I'm reading it. I think that's probably what it is. Um, and this is a good chance, you know, with with this and then West Ham on Wednesday night. It makes all the sense in the world for Erdegaard to sit down for a couple of games before we go into this run of Newcastle and then um, who, who was the game in? The, oh, it Sevilla at home, wasn't it? Sevilla yeah. at home. Um, and then I believe it's Burnley at home after that. So it makes sense for, for Erdegaard to sit down before these before these next two games. Yeah, I think so. And um you know, he's not, you know, going to get the applause from a ton of fans, but I was actually really uh, happy to see El Nenny uh, in the 89th minute, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, that, that warmed my heart a little bit, seeing El Nenny run back out there. You know, he, he he's not the best player, and, you know, I, I know that, but I, I love the guy. He seems to be a great spirit, and he's, he's very serviceable. Um, he's almost always available, this last long-standing injury aside, and I, I think he actually helps our depth. Well, in games in games like this, right? He's he's fine. He's never been a problem in games like this. I mean, he's even come in and done a job at Old Trafford before. It's it's not that he was like man of the match in that. Yeah, United it's not game. that he's a he's a terrible player. He's just not the player you want sitting in your midfield every week. But yeah, he's yeah. got that for us. So I think you know he'll see the season out with us, and then I imagine he'll be he'll be off. But yeah, I, I mean he could be useful between now and end of the season. I mean, shit, we may see him start on Wednesday night. Um, we'll get into that in the second half, but I, I you know, I, I think he's a perfectly serviceable player. Yeah, me too, honestly. And and I think um, he's kind of uh, I don't want to say opposite of Jorginho because you know that that that's not true. Uh, you know, El Nenny's got a pass in him, but I definitely think he's the more defensive of the two. He's he's to... definitely more sideways than Jorginho. That's for sure. Yeah, like, I yeah, think yeah, you. I think, again, he's another player that I think you need someone, you either need a ball carrier like Smith-Rowe alongside him who will drive with the ball, or you or you need like an Odegaard or Vieira there. Like, you wouldn't want to pair him with Havertz and Rice. I think that would be far, oh, yeah. too, far too different. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind yeah. of... But we've got the options now to mix and match. Yeah. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. The the combinations we have now that we compare with someone like uh you know El Nani, Jorginho, Rice as like the 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 anchor, you know, uh, pairing them alongside a runner and a playmaker like Vieira or Odegaard or Smith Rowe or Havertz. Um, those options in midfield now are are ridiculous. I feel like and uh, probably superior to almost every team in the league except you know maybe City. Yeah. So. The first half, like I said, I, I found it incredibly dull um, and a little, bit, yeah. a little bit frustrating. Um, Sheffield United obviously didn't come to play. Um, no. They came to try and they came to lose 2-0 is, is what they did. They would have been absolutely ecstatic to get out of there with a 2-0 defeat. Um, and they set up like that and that's how they played. I thought we were a bit sluggish. I thought we looked slow. I thought we looked a bit devoid of ideas. I didn't think there was enough movement. Um but to be honest, we just moved the ball around, moved it from side to side, and it—I—I I, I don't think it was—I don't think it went against the plan. Put it that way. Oh uh, no, 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 no! I don't think so either. And I—I I, I agree with your assessment of Sheffield United, um, what they were doing. Uh, I think they were trying to get out of there with the lowest, you know, dent to their goal differential. Uh, we were at home. I mean, we're you know title contenders uh, they knew they weren't going to escape even with one point but they were trying to minimize damage um but i do want to say uh having i just watched i just rewatched the game right before i came on the podcast and I, I i gotta say i do think a lot of the sluggishness in the beginning there were a couple players that were off don't get me wrong i think ben white w- was a little rough um you know, there, there were a few players that were off, but uh, I do think a lot of the changes made it uh, kind of awkward for some of the players that were in there. Um, Smith Rowe being a, a big example, I, I thought he took a while to grow into the game. I thought he he he, he was not so great first half, but he, he kind of grew into it. And I think that that's the case for a lot of these uh, the these players that were subbed in. Well, we were coming off a big week too. You know, we'd had the 2-2 draw at, at Chelsea in horrendous weather. Um, then we'd gone out to Sevilla. We'd got yep. a win out there that should have been easier than it ended up being. Um, and then we've come back to this game, which is a game everyone expects us to win. Um, a weird three o'clock Saturday kickoff in the UK. You don't get many of them anymore. And it was just, you know, I think it was just a game. It just took us a little while to get going and you're wondering where the goal's going to come from. And eventually... When it did, it was it was Rice throwing the ball into the box, which we really didn't see much of. It was a good touch from Eddie and finish, but it was some pretty poor defending from their point. And they'd been quite, they'd been very, I don't want to say they'd been good, but they'd been very compact and very organised. But we also didn't test them until that point. Do you know what I mean? That Rice ball was the first ball in behind that we'd really tried. Everything else, we'd been happy to go side to side in front of them. And as yeah. soon as we injected that little bit of forward momentum, bang, there's the goal, 1-0. Yeah, yeah, I've I've got to agree. I thought, actually, Eddie was um, pretty poor uh, up until the first goal. And then it, like, totally, he went, like, super Saiyan. You know what I mean? Um, and was really good after the first goal. Uh, that first touch to, like, get away and uh, and bury that ball was brilliant. But yeah, I, I agree. I think we uh, we did like a lot of like poking and prodding around the box without much penetration. Um, 
Well, I think in the goal as well, when Rice did that, I think it took him a little bit by surprise because I think they were expecting him to just keep going across because we'd done it so many times, just pass across the front, get out wide, yeah. come back, pass across the front. And I think they kind of expected him to do that. So I think when he did that, it was a little bit of a shock and Austin Trusty wasn't in the right position. His body wasn't in the right position. And it let Eddie, it was still a good touch and finish from Eddie. And all three goals from Eddie's point of view were excellent goals. Yep. You know, they were all bad defending, but they were all excellent goals. The second one from the corner, um, the goalkeeper was, the goalkeeper I thought was horrendous all day. I, I, I did too. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a professional goalkeeper, like a Premier League goalkeeper, but I thought he was awful. I don't think there was any question of a foul, but they took about 20 minutes to decide that there wasn't for some reason. And it's a good finish by Eddie. He just lashes it in the lashes it in the top corner. And that's kind of what yep. he's there for, right? Things drop around in the box and bang, he pounces on it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Eddie's best at, right? Um, and I think he does it quite well um, in, in style. Uh, you know, I think most of the criticisms for Eddie fall on, you know, kind of the other side of the, or n- not really the other side of the ball, but like what he can do on the ball. Maybe that's the better way to say it. Um, I think he needed these goals though, Judge, because I think it's fair to criticize his goal scoring record too, because I don't think he scores enough goals. For a centre forward who's supposed to be a poacher, I don't think he scores enough goals. He doesn't score in enough games. There's too many runs of five, six, seven games without a goal. I believe this, this, these were his. I think he'd only scored in one other game in the last twenty six that he'd been involved in. I think was the stat. I think Gav, um, we've talked about this before on this very pod. He he's a shit substitute. He yeah, is- that, that's true. So when he starts or when he gets a run of games, his numbers are 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 fine. You know, they're they're not elite, you know, but they're they're fine for like a Premier League goal scorer. Hasn't um, he started like eight games this season though? He started a lot of games this he season. He started a lot Jesus of games. Hasn't, yeah, hasn't been right. available and Jesus was even punted wide one game. And I think he's got five now, but obviously three of them were were, were yesterday. So were yesterday, yeah. You know, it, it's and, and this is the way it is with him. And he, you know, we had this at the end of last season where he just wasn't scoring. He's streaky, right? He's he's very streaky. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that we've got two basically strikers that score in streaks and then go on long spells without scoring. Yep. But I mean, at least we have two wide players that are consistently getting, you know, uh, double digits. Yeah, that's. I mean, and that's the way our fucked, teams really. Well, that's the way our teams kind of set up, though, is to do that, and yeah. that that's fine. But I I do think with with Jesus, you can look at a lot of the other stuff he does, and you can excuse the fact that he doesn't score enough goals. With Eddie, I feel like Eddie has to score goals because he doesn't. He, he's not as good at the other stuff as Jesus is. Therefore, he has to score goals. Well, yeah, I mean, it, like you just said, that is kind of the way our team is set up. Like the 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 nine or center forward, they they drop deep and and kind of uh, play make and 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 connect with you know your your Rice, your uh, Odegaard, your uh, whoever it is, Havertz, uh, Jorginho, whatever, and play make um, to set the wide players up, and that's why Saka and Martinelli can potentially get you know fifteen goals a season, no big deal. Um, but Eddie can't quite do that Kenny so when he plays and this is no disrespect to Eddie I respect everything he does I think he's solid um he's not going to be dropping deep in in playing passes through to your to your wingers is he he he's there to be kind of fox in the box he's he's a, a rude Vinicius or a, a you know, what you know 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. And that's, that's just why I feel like he needs to score more goals. And the third one, I think the third one, he was on such a high after the first two. And we have seen him do this before. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I've never seen Eddie do that before. We have. Do you remember Palace last year when he rattled the bar from like 30 yards? Yeah. It's not that I've never seen him hit a shot like that before. I've just never seen one go in. <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah. what it, he's more, but I mean, it was a lovely turn, lovely finish straight into the top corner. And I knew it was in as soon as he hit it. As soon yeah, as he hit it, you're looking at that and you're going, that's, that's, that's destined for the top corner. Okay. Um, it's yeah, it's a, a beautiful goal to complete the hat trick. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I thought he was kind of quiet, um, uh, not poor, but just kind of you know, um, uh, maybe a six out of ten or whatever. But once he scored that first goal, I think like what you just said nailed it. He was kind of uh, you know, high on 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 what he'd just done. His confidence was running, you know, ridiculously high, and and I think that really helped carry him to the the hat trick. Yeah, I I definitely think that's the case. And then as soon as that ball hit the net, the first of the subs come, right? Like there was no messing about from Mikel. The, the subs started. Um, and I was I was glad to see that uh, because we've talked a lot about his subs and, and not doing enough during the, during the game. And I think over the last the last few weeks, you have to be fair to him. I think his subs seem to be getting seem to be getting better. Um and I think who who was it? Was it Trossard and Trossard and um, Tomiyasu, right? Trossard and Tomiyasu, yeah, yep. for Zinchenko and Martinelli, right? And yeah, I think they, so. Yeah, you know Martinelli had a lock. And by the way, that left back Bogle was it? How the hell did he not get booked? He he must have gone through the back of Martinelli four times during that. I texted you, didn't I, during the game? And I said it's he the did. fourth time he's gone through the back of him. And like these tackles from behind were supposed to be outlawed, right? And Saka gets these all the time, and now Martinelli's starting to get them. There was at least two that were worthy of that were worthy of booking. None of them reached the you know red card threshold. But th- there's no if you book him for the first one, yeah, so many. One I think yep. was the worst one. You book yep. him for that, he can't do the second one. Yeah, no, no, no. I I, I couldn't agree more. I thought, um, like like you said, I don't think any more red card worthy. But there was definitely one or two that was like, uh, you know, second yellow worthy. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have a hard time complaining about this, maybe because I'm so like mentally conditioned of Arsenal getting, you know, fucked by officials. Um, but we've gotten a lot of penalties this year. And I, you know, I, I know we're going to come on to it, but even the Vieira pen I thought was a, a bit soft, e- even though I think it's a straight pen. I think it was, it, you know, you could argue it. And I... um you know, that, that, that does placate me a bit. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't see that one that way. I thought it was one of the most obvious penalties I've ever seen. And I was absolutely shocked with the amount of time it took because, you know, and again, let's, let's, let's talk about the subs a little bit because we had the first two subs and then we had the second two subs just after 70 minutes, right? Which was Nelson and yeah. Vieira for Saka and Emil Smith Rowe. Yeah. Um, and they came they came in and I thought they, you know, it was a game that was already over and I thought it, it could easily have just petered out from that point. And I thought they added a little bit of urgency to it. But the penalty, I thought the only argument could have been it was outside the box. The replay clearly yeah. showed that it was inside the box. So I don't know, coupled with the amount of time they took over our second goal to confirm that, and then this penalty, I don't know what the hell they were doing to be quite honest with you it, it took it took an age for both of them 
Well, Gav, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend to uh, understand the mind of these uh, these Premier League referees because I think they're all pretty much you know fucking idiots, except maybe maybe Michael Oliver. Um, but yeah, uh, just a nightmare. And in in the fact that they have referees who are obviously shit and make mistakes running you know var it's yeah like, it's and, and then they just go and do it again even the ones that yeah, make they mistakes just, they sit them yeah. down for a week and then they're and then they're back again so yeah. i don't know it just took for a bit it was a nice penalty from from fabio vieira and we learned yesterday that he just had a kid so that was what the uh the birth in the ball celebration i guess was yeah. uh was all about but it was a, it was a nice moment for that. I think you know I knew as soon as Eddie grabbed the ball, I knew he wasn't going to take it. Everyone's acting really shocked that Eddie gave the ball away. I, I mean, yeah, every I single penalty yeah. we've had this season has been the same thing. Whoever grabs the ball is not going to take it. So I wasn't expecting him to to take it. I think that I don't know that it was pre-planned, but I don't think it was a case of Eddie had the ball and then just gave it to Fabio Vieira. I think Eddie had the ball well, because they knew Fabio Vieira was going to take it. Well, that's what he—that's what he claims. But yeah, yeah, I no, I agree with you. I think well, Eddie's just—you've you know, got to keep the mirage going, right? Like yeah, exactly, you can't yeah. keep doing this, and it, it's a plan, right? To have someone hold the ball and then they don't get messy, blah blah blah. But if they know that that's the case, then it kind of ruins the mirage. So I, I get why, why you know, why you would say that. But I don't, you know, at the end of the day, Eddie's already got his hat trick, the fourth yep. goal. Does it really matter? Not massively he'd already had the hat trick he'd already got what he wanted so I thought that was good and then we saw the sub that we talked about earlier right after that goal uh, Mo coming in for Declan Rice who was absolutely imperious again um, yep. brilliant Mo coming in and, and you know doing doing some nice nice stuff he got a few nice touches um, and then six minutes in we get the piece de resistance the Tomiyasu goal, I thought, um, and it was weird. I didn't realise that he hadn't scored for us until they said it in commentary, and I had to actually look it up because all I can think of, his debut was against Norwich, right, when he made that swashbuckling run. Remember, and he smashed the ball like inches over the bar. And Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I just that, assumed actually. that he would have scored. I didn't realise that he hadn't scored. Yeah, no, I didn't either, actually. Now that you say that, um, I had the, so again, I, I rewatched the game right before this podcast, but I had the volume all the way down. So if the uh, commentator said that, I, I did not hear it. Um, so no, I, I didn't even realize that was his first goal, but I'm surprised as well. Yep. Yeah, I, I honestly, I thought he was going to, he, he would have, he would have netted a couple, but so it was a, you know, it was a, it was one of them weekends where it's kind of as you were. Really, do you know what I mean? Like City won comfortably, Tottenham won, we won, Liverpool won, Chelsea lost. Everything was as normal, basically. Yeah, yeah, of course. Especially that Chelsea loss. Yeah, you... it's exactly what I expected to happen. So it's kind of nothing gained, nothing ventured. I was a bit pissed off that Man United couldn't hold out a little bit more against Man City. You know, we put in five, and I'm thinking that'd be great for the goal difference. You know, at least United can just like lose by the odd goal, but no, they have to go and shit the bed. Um, and I mean, they're they're shit, Gaff. Like they they're really, really bad. They're really bad. Really bad. Really bad. And you know, I know a lot of them are bitching about the penalty. At the end of the day, it was a foul. I I understand why you would be unhappy it was given because them things never get get given really or not very often. And Rodri's a fucking cheat, so I understand. Yeah. 
why you you know why you would be angry about that being given but let's be fair like it didn't make one bit of difference to that result that result was coming one way or another yeah i i couldn't agree more and man though i again i just i just can't get over how like how rough they are um as someone that's uh like was a regular uh you know ajax watcher and stuff like that it, it seems like ten hog can't get his I don't think he knows what he's doing. I mean, there's I don't think he knows what he's doing, right? Like he he come out and he said, "I can't play the way Ajax do because I don't have the players." Oh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen his quotes. Mate, and you bought them. You bought these players. You bought two hundred million Ajax. Yeah, like like what the I I don't know. It's it's not my problem, but and, and it's funny. Yeah. And long may it continue. I mean, I'm I'm I don't think that he's going to last the season, but I hope he does. Who who else is there though? Gaff, like who's an upgrade right now? Like let let's I say mean, they crack ten hot. I'm tomorrow. just not sure that it matters. Is it, right? Is it I, Steve I've said Bruce? this. I've said this before. I'm not sure that it matters. Right? You, you, I'm not telling you Roberto Di Matteo is a good manager, but I am telling you he won the Champions League for Chelsea because he wasn't Andre Villas Boas. Sometimes I think it's just it's addition by subtraction. Right? I don't think it matters who it is that comes in. Sometimes it just matters that they are not whoever was there before. I mean, you know, you, you could have made that argument for a while for Arteta because Arteta, it took Arteta a long time to really implement his style, but just not being Unai Emery at first was enough. And I, I think a lot of the time that's kind of all it takes. Yeah, look, I mean, th- this isn't a, a United podcast or anything, um, but I have seen a lot of fans already clamoring, mostly online. To be fair, I mean, I'm 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 a, I'm I'm American, so you know, I'm I'm not in the stadiums or anything. But, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of fans uh, clamoring already for like Ole coming back and that counterattacking football and that that Bruno to Rashford connection and and that you know this 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 whole possession building up from the back that Ten Hag is trying to do is just it, it's not you working. He, I don't think he's trying to do that though. It doesn't I, look that I, way. To I don't either. think he's trying to do yeah. that. So I don't either. I just I don't know. And they've got problems. You know, Chelsea have obviously got problems. I, I don't expect Pochettino to last there too much longer. No, either. me neither. Um, you know that that clearly isn't working. They got incredibly lucky against us with a a penalty and a you know a penalty that, which I think was a penalty, but I, I understand how controversial it is. They got that and they got a mishit cross that just managed to waft into the corner. So. You know, they got incredibly lucky against us, but they're they're twelfth for a reason because they're a twelfth place team. And I think you've got you've got a, a really big gap opened up now between the top few clubs and the rest. Um and I just I I I don't see how that those two teams in particular can can bridge that gap. I think they're both in danger of missing Europe completely again. And for Chelsea, maybe that's a plan because I think if they get into Europe, I think they have to comply with European FFP, which they can't. So maybe this is all some kind of clever genius from Todd Bowley, where um, they're actually just going to be mid-table forever. I've always said Todd Bowley was a genius. I, I, what, I mean, how can you not? I love the man. I think he's been fantastic. I mean, the the idea of eight-year contracts, I mean, fuck, why didn't we ever think about that? <laughs> yes, exactly. What <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so it's kind of an as-you-were weekend more than anything else, I think. Um, yeah. So nothing gained, nothing ventured almost. I think um, I think we'll probably leave that bit there, Jazz. Have you got any more thoughts on the game? Anything else you wanted to throw out there? Um, I, I, I mean, there's no point talking about the Raya-Ramsdale thing. Raya was always going to play here. This is not the sort of game that gives Raya problems so I was never expecting anything other than a than a, you know a, a solid looking performance 
Oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't really want to touch on the goalkeepers at all. It's tired and, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I guess. Uh, I thought Zinchenko had a really good game. Um, he's come in for a little bit, of, a little bit of criticism recently. So I was glad to see him. And he's, he's one on one defending. Yeah. He's superb. I, I, I don't get these people who like want to criticize his defending. When he's defending, he's bad. It's generally because he's not there because he's told to do other stuff. Um, but he's one on one defending. He's superb. And again, they tried to go at him a couple of times. He just comes away with a ball. It, it, it's, he doesn't even go out of play. He just comes away with the ball. He is a superb one on one defender. And I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, I thought one v one this game especially he was he was brilliant. Um, no argument there. Uh, I I would like to touch on one thing though, Gav. Um, if you'll uh, allow me the time, uh, Ben White's hair dye. Yeah, uh, it, it, it looks was, a bit. It's fucking awful, and yeah, I love it. I'm not quite sure what prompted him to make that decision. Um, he he should probably go back pretty quick on that. I don't think it, it it doesn't really work for him. Yeah, mate, it looks really bad. Yeah. Uh, so Ben, know. if Ben, if you're listening, Justin's advice is uh, diet back. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Listen, mate, I love you, but you know, do the right thing. Well, now we've um, now we've worked out the uh, the hair problems. We'll uh, we'll leave it there, and we'll come back in the second half and see if we can sort out the problems that West Ham pose in the week. So we will catch you on the other side. Just see you in a All minute. Right. See ya. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as the NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz, and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Hello, and welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Judge, one thing I wanted to touch on that we didn't really get a chance to in the first half, um, William Saliba. Now, there's yep. a lot of people who are saying he's a Rolls Royce. I'm going to dispute this. I think he's James Bond's Aston Martin DB5 from Goldfinger, right? Because he's classier than a Rolls Royce. And an Aston Martin is classier than a Rolls Royce. I don't care what anyone says. It absolutely is. And it's got all the tricks and all the bells and whistles. And I think that sums Saliba up more because I think he's absolutely imperious. Over this, the start of this season, I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a defender play better in a stretch than he has at the start of this season. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of Aston Martin than Rolls-Royce. Um he does have the tricks. I'm, I'm, I'm going to side with you. The, the, this man, he's an Aston Martin. So we need to get this. We need to get this started, right? So no more. William Saliba is a Rolls Royce. William Saliba is an Aston Martin DB5, but not any Aston Martin DB5. The James Aston Bond Martin DB5 from James Bond's Goldfinger. That's oh, that's what we Goldfinger. Got. Okay, the one from Goldfinger. Yeah, the, okay. the DB5 that was in Goldfinger. That yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. that is that is. 
William Saliba to a T. So I think we need to, I think we need to, I might actually take out some ads on the tube, um, you know, to just, just get that going. Because I think everybody really needs to, needs to hear that. For England, Gav. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, it, it, just, <laughs> it just needs to be said. It just needed to be said. So yeah. that's out of the way. So let's, let's look forward to, to Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> yeah. So West Ham at the, London Free Stadium, the Council House, whatever you want to call it. We go there. I think West Ham are going to go pretty strong in this. Um, you know, they will go all out to win cup competitions. And I think they're going to assume that we're going to take them a little bit lightly because of what we've got surrounding them, you know, with a trip to Newcastle and then Sevilla in the Champions League. So I can see West Ham actually going pretty strong with their lineup. Where do you see Mikel going? And I mean, I know this is a difficult question at the minute because he, he is surprising us um, with his lineup choices, which I'm glad about. Um, but where where do you not what not what would you do? But where do you think he's going to go? I mean, we agree that Ramsdale's coming in, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I think Ramsdale's coming in, no doubt. Um, uh, like I'm I'm like 99% sure Ramsdale comes in. Uh, everywhere else though, Gaff, it, it is kind of tough because he, you know, he just kind of rotated against Sheffield. Um, yeah. See, I think because of that, I think Gabriel plays because yeah, Gabriel yeah. sat out, and I think Saliba sits out. Um, do. Yeah, TV. I do. I think I think Saliba sits out. I think the question is: is does Tommy Asu come in and play centre back, um, or does Tommy Asu come in and play right back and Ben White move across? But I, I think White and Tommy Asu are going to play with Gabriel um and then I can see I can see Kivior coming in at left back I could see that I could see that 100% so uh, one of uh, White and Tomiyasu start but you know we we just don't exactly know where which way around yeah I mean I'm I'm yeah. imagining it's going to be Ben White right back and Tomiyasu at center back uh, I prefer that that's how I would yeah that's how I see it playing out yep. um there is also the option that Kivio could play centre back and Tommy Asu could play left back, which wouldn't surprise me. So even within the even within the team, you've got questions about who lines up where, even when the team comes out. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you know, it, it, do you want to take this opportunity to vent about uh, Ben White's throw-ins since we're talking oh about? Oh my god, he, he should go, never go, be allowed go ahead, near. Go ahead. He should never yeah. be allowed near another throw-in, right? Ben White ever. I love Ben White. I think Ben White's great. I enjoy watching Ben White play football. I do not enjoy watching him take throws. In fact, no. I would rather poke my eyeballs out with a sharpened hot spoon than watch Ben White try to take a throw on. I have never seen before at any level of football someone, and, and it's not foul throws, right? Because I've seen this, we saw this with Hector Bellerin, going further back, Freddie Lundberg, anyone that remembers it back then, Freddie Lundberg must have taken five throws in his Arsenal career. Every one of them a foul throw, without without foul. He <laughs> tried to do a quick one, foul throw every time. That's yeah. not the problem with Ben White. Ben White can take a throw on. Ben White cannot see anybody to throw the ball to. And at first you're thinking, well, someone's got to move for him. But Tommy Asu doesn't have this problem. Zinchenko doesn't have this problem. None of the other fullbacks seem to have this problem. So just do us a favour, Bakayo, when the ball goes out on the right-hand side, don't leave it for Ben White. Please just take the throw-on because it is driving me nuts. He got booked. He's been booked twice for time-wasting over throw-ons. He wasn't time-wasting. He just doesn't know how to throw the ball back into play to someone. Well, I'm glad you got to get that out. I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I, I, I don't notice it as as a, a, a big of an issue as you do. It um, drives me fucking nuts. No, yeah, of course. 
yeah, you know, there, there's always going to be things, you know, that that uh, that irritate. I, think I, us. I must just be like a throw-on connoisseur. I think is what it is. I just appreciate a good throw-on more than other people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I I mentioned to you on group me. I said, you know, um, really, he's worse than uh than Bellerine, and you said. Yeah, absolutely. I, look, a foul throw. If you can't do something, you can't do it, right? I, I, I Bellerin, I, I say I always throw it, mate. Like whatever. That's it's it's a foul throw, whatever. He stands there for five minutes with a ball in his hand, looking for someone to throw it to, and then eventually just lobs it in and throw, throws it away. I, I've I've never seen anything like it, and it's it's weird for a player that's so cultured and a player that picks his passes so well, times his runs so well, to not be able to throw the ball into somebody. It it just drives me absolutely bonkers. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not arguing with you or anything. I, I, I just find your, um, your, uh, um, your horrid feeling over it, um, pretty amusing. That's all. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit too angry over Fred. <laughs> that, that 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 is possible. Maybe I'm a little bit. My passion for the throw on might sometimes override emotions that should otherwise come to the fore but it's still something that drives me nuts so please lads someone take the ball off ben white and just throw it in there's there's no ben white you can even throw it to ben white if he feels left out throw it to ben white that's fine but just don't let him take any more throws yeah i mean it's definitely um uh he he's not great he's not great you know i'm not gonna (laughs) so hopefully we won't see any ben white throw-ins on wednesday night yeah Um, so the mid the midfield, uh, I think Jorginho is going to play at the base, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Smith Rowe and Havertz rolled out again in there. Um, but on the other hand, I think that Fabio Vieira is probably going to start somewhere, and I think it makes more sense to go with Smith Rowe and Vieira in the centre of the park. Yes, Gav, I'm with you 100%. I am over the Havertz experiment. I don't want to be super emotional about this. I think both Vieira and Smith-Rowe have been better players than Havertz this season so far. I understand Havertz. Well, you ain't heard the rest of my team yet, so don't get too excited. All right, go ahead. Well, I think Reese Nelson's (laughs) going to come in on the right. Who? I think, think Reese Nelson's going to come oh, in and play okay. on the right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that Leandro Trossard is going to play on the left, and I think Kai Havertz is going to play up front. Yep. Actually, by the way, we didn't get a chance. It, can, I, can I just take 30 seconds to say that I thought after Trossard came in, he was really, really good. Some of his dribbling to, like, to, to beat the fullback and stuff like that was like brilliant, I thought especially after, you know, being out for a little while. I, I actually, he deserves the start. I, I, I'd like to see him start over Martinelli, not because of anything Martinelli did, just, you know, he gets rest, Martinelli, and Trossard gets kind of rewarded for his good play. Uh, I definitely think Trossard should start on the left. I thought he was very, very good once he came in against a, uh, uh, an albeit, you know, pretty shitty uh, Sheffield side. I think with Trossard, his performances for a, quite a while have been better from the bench than starting, right? And I think yeah. that is, and yeah. I, but I think that's also invaluable, right? We've talked about this before. In the NBA, they, they have a six man of the year award, which is basically your first man off the bench who comes in, he either steadies things down or picks up the pace. Um, your starters need a rest, he comes in. And I think Trossard is that for us. And I think that is an invaluable role. Now, 
I don't see Trossard as being the sort of guy that would be upset by that. This is a squad game now. You, he's going to get plenty of game time. I just, I just feel like he's, and and I, I think he should start obviously on Wednesday night. That's that's perfectly fine. But I just think he's such a good impact sub. I think he's our best impactor off the bench by a million miles. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, going back to the season before last uh, with Smith Rowe bagging like seven goals off the bench, I think, um, you know, now that that's a long time ago now and football doesn't work like that. But well, I it's think... a different team, right? Like, because this was yeah, a point that course. I wanted to bring up to you about this when we got into the Smith Rowe thing is that Smith Rowe has come back into a very easy, I mean, he's missed almost two years. And he's yeah, in a much better team. It's yep. a completely different team, right? We strangle games now. And I think for a player like Smith Rowe, he's almost learning to play football again because he's a, you know, like we said, he's a dynamic ball carrier, right? He, he runs from deep and he, he, he drives with the ball. We don't need that now. That is not what we need. So I think he's, he's game. I think the fact that he was all right on Saturday is a credit to him because he wasn't trying to do stuff that he shouldn't be doing. There was no ire at any point from Mikel Arteta because he tried to beat three men and give the ball away or any of that. I think it's a credit to him the way the way he played and he didn't try and do too You know, we've said before when people come oh, yeah. up the club, they try and do too much. I didn't think Smith Rowe did that. And I think Smith Rowe is learning to play football again this way because it's a completely different way to where he's been playing. He has missed almost this. He started this revolution and then missed yeah. it. Like that's, that's how it was. He started it and then missed it all. So good. Good. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just going to say, I think it's, I think that this is, I, I have been really, really happy with how he started to be introduced over the last few weeks, because it's something I never saw coming. I really didn't. I thought we made a mistake not selling him and Thomas party in the summer. Um, I honestly didn't think he was going to get any game time at all. Fair play to you. You stuck by it all the way through. But I have been shocked by the reintroduction over these last few weeks. And I am so happy because, you know, we all love the Haaland boys, right? So I am so happy that he started to come back into this this team. And I am I'm really, really excited to see what he can do as his game changes and evolves around the way we are playing now. Yeah, and excuse me. And let's not forget too, he's he's being uh he's being reintroduced to the team, of course, like you said like uh, after a long time out, but in a, in a new position. Let's not forget everything he did was at left wing um, when he was being successful, except for that first rejuvenation period, you know, the Chelsea game and whatnot. He played 10, of course, but we were doing a totally different system back then, uh, you know, kind of a 4-2-3-1. Where he and there was, was a lot up. more counter-attacking. There was a lot more space in behind teams. This is what I'm saying. Yep. Like he's, he's yeah, basically exactly. come into it. Yep. It's a different game to him yep. now. It is. And I think he's doing very well. He could have easily taken that shot right on the edge of the 18, but he played it to Enkedia for a, for an assist. And I think the, I think I, that, I mean, I, I will take umbrage of one thing. I'm not sure you should get assist when someone smacks a 30 yard world worldie into the top corner. 30 yards. It was 19. <laughs> Whatever. There was still a lot right. to be done. Right. Let's watch it again. <laughs> There was still a lot to be <laughs> no, done no, no. when it's when okay. Eddie get, when Eddie gets okay. that ball. That's Eddie, my beat, point. Eddie beat I mean, one man in shot. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to take his FPL points away from him or anything like that. Fair play. I'm just saying that assists. There's assists and then there's assists. I'm not sure this one was that hey, much hey, of an assist. Emil Smith Rowe beat like three guys before he played that ball to Enkedia. 
who only had to beat like two to shoot. And then a tap in, right? Just tap it, it into yeah. the top. Corner. God damn it! God. But, um, but no, no, carry on because you're you're, you're right. He's, I mean, well, I think he's adapting well, and I I'm I'm excited to see him alongside Vieira, which I assume is what's going to happen on Wednesday night, because like I said, I don't think that him and Havertz really dovetail that well. I don't either. I don't either. But I, I, I do like that um, he offers... So, uh, you know, Odegaard is obviously more of a... Um, like a, a playmaker, right? Like, it, you know, he is. He's He's got that incisive pass. But Smith-Rowe, yeah. he, he gives us a little something different. Uh, the ability to, like, run at the back four and play these little... Uh, um, not, not, not like, um, the, you know, these, these through the eye of the needle passes or anything, but he, he can combine very quick one twos. And, um, I think it's super valuable to have both of them to be able to play in that position or even pair them together. If we're really facing a, you know, a, a, a really ugly low block. Well, this is what I was going to say to you, right? I think that that left eight is up for grabs, right? I think we all yeah. we all agree yeah. that that is it's up for grabs. It's the one position, right? Yeah, in right. The... That goalkeeper and, and left eight, I think he's the one. That, don't get me wrong, Arteta's made his mind up about the goalkeeper. I think the fans are still not yeah, the mind about the goalkeeper. But but the left eight is the one position that I think is really up for grabs in the starting lineup. And Havertz certainly hasn't grabbed it. Um, I think Vieira's been pretty good there um, when he's played for, for a lot of it. But I, I still see Vieira more as someone on the right side of the pitch and not the left side of the pitch. I think that if we pair Vieira with Smith-Rowe, then Smith-Rowe gets a chance in what I consider to be the position that he's got the best chance of. And I've I've never seen him as as this at all. So I'm not saying he's going to be good at it. I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm not saying this is the future. I'm just saying that this seems to be the position where I think he's got the most chance of nailing a spot down. If he plays that left eight and Vieira plays on the right like Erdegaard did, I, I am interested to see that. I think that could be really, really, really interesting. Um, I think it's a very light midfield for like a physical team. Like I would never go to, you know. Um... I think I'm, I'm not sure. I think first off, I think having Declan Rice behind you allows you to do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. I don't think I wouldn't want to do that at Newcastle away with Thomas Partey as the deep man. I would be fine with it with Declan Rice as the deep man. And I think the other thing is, is that Emil Smith-Rowe, is six foot and 14 stone. Yeah, yeah, Edmund yeah. Smith-Rowe yeah. is not some small weakling that's going to get shoved yeah. around in there. Now, maybe his instincts have to be honed a little bit going backwards, but that can be taught, I think. And I think Arteta is an excellent uh, excellent person for teaching that stuff. So I'm not that, I'm actually not that worried about it. I would not be, I wouldn't put it this way, I would be no more worried about pairing Erdegaard with Smith Rowe than I would Erdegaard with Vieira. Oh yeah, I agree with that. But the the conversation is uh, Smith Rowe and Vieira. Well, yeah, but I mean, this that isn't going to be a full time thing, is it? I'm talking about it for this game, and I'm talking more about allowing Smith Rowe to get a run in that left eight because he he was on the right hand side of the pod, wasn't he, on the on the weekend? Well, him and Havertz actually switched over. They, yeah, they switched. Lot, yeah, there was they a switched. lot of switching going. There was yeah, actually more switching going on than than I've seen before because Saka was all yep. over on the other side for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you're it, right. There was definitely more switching, but I would I would like to see Smith Rowe alongside the more creative kind of guy there get a run. And I, I think that's really what I'm getting at is that I think to uh, Wednesday night, 
there's a there's a good chance we're going to see that, and I'm I am intrigued to see how he does because West Ham they're going to play they're going to play Suchek in midfield, right? Who's who's like just six foot eight monster. Um, I don't know who else they're going to put out there. I don't know how strong they're going to go. I think they're going to go pretty strong, but I would imagine Suchek is going to be the man that's probably going to be tasked with with kicking the shit out of Smith Rowe. So I think it's a good test. It'll be a good test for him, and if he comes through this one. Maybe, just maybe, you can try and earn a little bit of run there. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> excuse me. I think you're going to be right, Gav. Um, I think uh, this is going to be a tough test. I think West Ham is going to go uh, pretty heavy for this. This is probably the only realistic silverware chance they have, you know, the Carabao Cup. Well, especially with Man City out. I mean, you know, and Man United played Newcastle on Wednesday, so one of them two's going out. Yep. Tottenham are already out. Yep. Um, so, you know, they've got to think if they can they can knock us out, then who knows? Yeah, who knows, right? Yeah. And, and <clears throat> so yeah, I uh I agree a hundred percent. And I mean, you know, they they've got a they they've got a pretty strong lineup. Uh I don't think this is a game we uh can take easily. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think, like, obviously it's a weakened lineup, right? Because it's not our first choice lineup. But I still, there's not many teams in the league that can live with that 11 that we just named. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, you, you put Tomiyasu, um, you know, Smith Rowe, uh, El Nenny or Jorginho. El Nenny's probably not ready yet to do 90 or anything, but, um, you know, we have Nelson. I mean, we, we still have a very quality, uh, not quite second 11, but, uh, you know, a second five. Um, I, think we, I think we do have a quality second 11, though. I think our second 11 is still a top half of the table 11. You're probably right. If you, if yeah. you took our second team. So, I, I, I mean, I in my mind, that I think whatever team we put out, we're going to be fairies. I think Arteta will go stronger than, than a lot of people Maybe not think, but a lot of people want. I think he'll go stronger than that. It wouldn't shock me if Erdegaard was suddenly in the starting lineup. It, it really wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either if, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but it wouldn't surprise me if Arteta decided that Zinchenko would start on Wednesday and not start at St. James's Park. That wouldn't surprise me at all if he decided to go with Tommy Asser at St. James's and play, uh, play Zinchenko for a bit more control here at West Ham. And then you utilize Tommy Asu more as a you know Newcastle are a big side and they rely a lot on set pieces. So I think that's a good me. idea. Yeah, yep. it wouldn't surprise me if Arteta did that either. Yeah, I think that's a that's actually a, a really brilliant point in a in a good idea. I that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, I imagine El Nenny will probably get maybe ten more minutes. Um, I think you he know, might just... get longer than that. I, I I definitely. I mean, I know all the. All the focus is going to be around Decker, right? It's all going to be about Declan Rice in the build-up to this game. And it's funny because I don't want to see him anywhere near the pitch. I don't think there's any reason for him to be near the pitch. I, I think he'll be. I think he'll start Jorginho and I think Rice will be on the bench. Um, but I don't think there's any need for him to be coming on here. I want to see Elneny come off the bench, not, not Declan Rice. I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of like to see Declan, you know, maybe kind of dick one over on the on his former well, club. But it, you know, it that, be... that's just selfish. That's just selfish. Well, yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of excited to hear the booing as well. Just to, <laughs> yeah. I, I already because they were such scumbags about this transfer. Yeah, of course, I can't, of I can't even. But I, you know, I already feel like 
like I've said this before, I feel like Rice was born to play for this club uh, in yep. this side. Like I just, I've never you seen said that like three perfect. years ago. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never seen a more perfect fit. And as a person, he seems to love everything about the club. Like absolutely love it. He's one of them players. I think no matter where he started, no matter where he grew up, by the time he finishes playing, a bit like like Lee Dixon, really, who grew up a Manchester City fan and you know played for played for clubs like Berry and Stoke. But by the time Lee Dixon finished his career, Lee Dixon is a he's a he's a gooner through and through. I think that's going to be the same thing with Declan Rice. I think by the time Declan Rice finishes his career. No one's even going to be mentioning West Ham at all. And I don't think Declan Rice will be mentioned in West Ham at all. I think he's the sort of guy that I think when he's on Sky Sports and stuff, he's going to talk about us as we. And that's that's just what I'm getting from him so far. And he he loves it. And I think the when he comes out and they all start booing him with their jelly deal breath, I think that he's just gonna I think that he's just gonna cement it even more. Um, so I am I I do kind of want to see it. I'd like to see him come on. Maybe you know we're two up and he comes on with a minute left and they all go boo and then he comes on and rockets one in the top corner. I think that is probably optimal, right? Yeah, I'd love to see that honestly. Yeah, and then he <clears throat> he just uh, blows the bubbles into the air. Oh That's, yes, no, yeah. goes around clapping the bubbles like 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 breaking the bubbles with his hands. Yeah, like a toddler. Yeah, 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 yeah that'd like... be perfect. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, absolutely yeah. perfect. But That's what, what I want to see. Do you get what I mean about how I feel about him? Just like, it, it just seems like he's, it seems like he's been here forever, basically. And I, oh, I yeah, think yeah, by yeah, the yeah. time his career ends, I don't think anyone's going to associate him with any other club. No, I don't think so either. Um, I think uh, he's here for, uh, I mean, five, six years five, six seasons at least. And I, um, I expect longer just to, just, yeah, to, I think he'll be, yeah. I think he'll be here for 10 years. Yeah. I think he'll be here uh, for 10 years. I think, I think towards the, the mid thirties, I think he'll still, still be here. But, um, but yeah, I, I think um, this is kind of his first like big club, you know, don't, no disrespect to West Ham fans or anything. Um, oh, go on, but... give them some disrespect. <laughs> they, they did plenty to us over the summer. So you give them all the disrespect you want. Okay. A fuck off West Ham fans, but I think, <laughs> but no, I, I I do I think he'll be remembered for us mostly because I mean he's been in the Champions League. I know we won a European trophy, but it was like the you know the the cop out trophy, yeah, um, in the Toto Cup or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I in 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 I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Gav. Uh, maybe not in Wenger's arsenal, but in Arteta's arsenal, he just seems the most perfect fit of a player I've ever seen. And we, we discussed this on the pod again. Um, he was the most like uh, low risk signing you're ever going to do. Even for 105 million, we all knew he was going to yeah, deliver. And, and I mean, I think exactly. he's been, I think he's been better than most people thought. Um, and I, I just, I think that hundred, I mean, I had uh I had a message from one of my mates on Saturday and he said, if we'd have paid 250 million for rice, I'd still think we stole him. Damn. Well, um, you know, I mean, history will tell that tale, I guess, but so far, I mean, he's been so ridiculously good and the only player I could have seen replacing what Thomas party did in the midfield. Cause you, you know, we, we, we've discussed this. Um, a lot, uh, you know, Thomas Party's uh, unreliability 
and who would we sign to fill him? And, you, you know, we've all thrown up some names, even pause, he's thrown up some names, but Rice was kind of the only one that we were like, he can do exactly what party does and maybe better. Yeah, I mean, he can definitely do the defensive part of the game better. I think he's still learning the forward play. You've you've seen him start to add that the pass that he the pass that he made for Enketia's goal, for example. Yeah, that's not brilliant. a pass that. And this is the thing; he's oh. added that. That's not the sort of pass that he would have made two months ago. That is added to his game. He started with that ball around the corner, whipped into midfield to Zinchenko or to Erdegaard as well. He started that, which he never had in his locker before. So he's he's learning on the job, and he's such a fast learner that I can't wait to see where it goes. But I, I, I just, I think he's adding things to his game week by week. You're seeing it more and more. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. But yeah, that would be, so the game will be built up as that. It will be Declan Rice going back there. And I just, yeah. I don't think he's going to play. <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll be funny, but yeah, yeah you, you might be right. I mean, it, it is Carabao Cup. Honestly, uh, you and I have discussed this a lot before. I, I prefer to play the kids. I'd love to see, uh, who is it? Is it Lewis Skelly? That's the, the six. The defensive midfielder, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Miles Lewis Skelly. I, I mean, I mean, I'd love to see something like that. Even if we get blown out like six nil, I'd yeah, love to. I'd, see... I'd, I hope we get to see some of Cozy Dubry as well because we've, not, yeah, yeah, you know, we've really not had the chance to see him yet. Um, yep. And he, he scored a cracker for the uh, under twenty ones this week as well. Um, so I'd, I'd really like to see that Sago Junior got the call up didn't he last yep. time. So maybe yep. we'll see a couple of the youngsters on the bench. Um, I just I think at this stage of the competition, this is where Arteta starts to take things more seriously. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's why I don't think we're going to see any of them certainly from the start. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Um, if this was Wenger still, you know, uh, I would uh, probably hold to my opinion, but Arteta does seem to take this stuff more seriously. Yeah, yeah so. I mean, at the end of the day, we're a big club. He should be taking it some sort of semi-seriously. As long as he makes the right, you know, I don't want to see Saka out there. You know, I don't want to see or, out or, there. Yeah, or Odegaard. Or yeah, Saliba. I, I, yeah, I don't I, I hope see Saliba. Odegaard either. I, I don't think Saliba's yeah. going to play. I don't want to see Erdegaard out there either. But I, I just, I, I have a sneaky feeling that we will see Erdegaard. Maybe not from the start, but I think we're going to see some because I don't think he's going to want, uh, I don't think he's going to want him having like a whole week off. Do you know what I mean? Before or 10 days off before we go to Newcastle. So I think at the very least, you're going to see 15 minutes of Erdegaard. I'm, I'm 100% fine with 15 minutes. I just don't want to see him from the start. You know what yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and I can say that for a lot of players. You know, um, yeah. And we've got this. We've got the, the the thing at the back as well, right? Where we've got we've got seven players for four positions, but we kind of we mix and matching where. So you you know we can't rotate the entire defense even if we wanted to. Someone has to play, um, and I think we have to be careful of that. And remember, we're going to lose Tommy Asu for the Asian Games as well in January, which is a, which is a killer because we're going to be down to six. That's assuming, of course, that Timber's not ready to play. And I, I'm just not ready to make the assumption that Timber's going to be back and ready to play in New, at New Year. I just, I I hope it's true. I just can't see it. I mean, one thing that gives me hope, Juz, I know you're not an NFL man, but Jalen yep. Ramsey, who the Miami Dolphins signed um, in the summer, he, he, he did his knee um, in training camp and he actually come back and played yesterday. I think it was only like five months after he did it and he came back and made an interception. Um, so that, you know, I'm not saying there's no chance. I'm just saying that I'm not banking on it. 
I think um I think with with regards to timber um it is very interesting Gav because um they added him to the roster which yeah. which which leads me to which leads me to believe that um sorry excuse me which okay. leads me to believe that uh you know he he's probably going to be ready before we all think so you know yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he is. Um, if he's not, it opens up a very interesting question in in January because I I, I think we're I think without him, I think we're we're light. Um, and even with him, I think we we might be light. I, honestly, I think we could probably do with another centre back. Is is my honest opinion? Not not a fullback, but I think we could do with a centre back. Um, and it, it opens the question: if if we're in position in January, do we go out and spend in that area? But I guess we're going to have to see if if Timber is back and firing them. Then we probably think we've got enough with Tommy Asu. Maybe they see Tommy Asu as a centre back now. I think if um you know it's always important to be cautious, and I think with uh, Tommy Asu's injury history, um you know it's kind of smart to be cautious. Uh, but I think if Tommy Asu stays fit, we're okay considering he can play right back, left back, centre back. And Timber. Could oh, do Tommy Asu is is one hundred percent the key to this. If Tommy Asu right. gets yeah, injured, exactly. we are in trouble. Yeah, but Kivior even. Um, I I did. Uh, we haven't even really talked about him, but I thought he played some ridiculous passes. Um, yeah, I thought he was one that grew into the game as well. I, I thought he looked a little bit unsteady at first, um, which is kind of understandable. But I thought the more the game went on, the, yeah. the more he the more he grew into it. Yeah, yeah, I was really impressed with him actually, and I, I agree. I, I thought he did look a little uh, shaky at first, but um, well, we've not did... seen enough of him, right? Like we've just not seen enough of him. Center arms, oh. you're not going to be taking them off. You're not going to be subbing them, despite Arteta pretending that he subs everyone on the pitch. Um, newsflash: he doesn't. He's not going to be subbing center arms. He's never going to sub a goalkeeper, and he's not going to sub a center half. So when you've got someone like Kivior sitting there, if he's not starting, you just don't get a chance to see him. Right, like with with Tommy Asu comes on in one of the fullback positions late, that's fine. But Kivior, he's you're not going to be taking Gabriel off on seventy five minutes. No. no, yeah, yeah, I've got to agree. But to say we won't sub a center back, or uh, sorry, we won't sub a goalkeeper, um, I could actually see Arteta doing some shit like that. Honestly, no, I can't. Not at all. Not at all. I don't think he would ever do it. It's it's a, there's a we've got two number ones. No, we don't. He's made up his mind who the number one is. And there's, look, if he was going to make a sub, sub a goalkeeper, he's had plenty of chances. Because let's be fair, there's been three or four games where I would have had Raya off and he hasn't done it. If he, you, I don't think, right, just to, I know we said we weren't going to get into this, but I'm talking <laughs> broad, right? I'm not talking about Raya versus Ramsey. I'm, I'm talking yeah, about yeah, broad strokes here. I, know, I don't I know. think you can sub a goalkeeper, right, on the hour mark and not kill that goalkeeper's career. I just don't think you can do it. I think you can do it to a centre forward. You can do it to a full back. You can even do it to a centre back. I don't think you can bring a goalkeeper off on the hour and then play him the following weekend. I, I don't think it's possible. I mean, yet, what if Arteta does it and it starts a, a stream of goalkeeper substitutions? Well, let's see. I I, I do not. I do not see it. I, I honestly, I I don't. I don't think it's possible. I don't think you can. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you would do it. I think he said what he said for the cameras, and that was it. But to get yeah, back, you, good. good. 
Well, I was just saying to get back to the main point was was really about Kivior. Um, in that oh, we yeah. haven't seen enough of him, and and the reason we haven't seen enough of him is because he's just not the sort of player that you you know unless he's going to play the Rob Holding role of coming on with four minutes to go when you're one nil up. Unfortunately, we've not really been doing that too much this year. Um, you, you're not going to see him come on, so he has to start games. Which was it was nice to see him get a start at the weekend, and that's why I'm really hoping he does start tomorrow. I don't want to see him back on the bench. Uh, Wednesday night because I think it's the perfect chance for him to start again, get a couple of games in a row under his belt. So um, I I don't want to speak to his defensive abilities too much because I was I was never a defender myself. Um, but uh, man, his his passing from the back is very good. Like he he's like he's got like laser pointed passes, and I was very impressed with some of the passes he made. Um, I think. This might be crazy. I think he could be the best stand-in for Saliba if Saliba was to go out. Which well, it's, it's interesting because you know we 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 build up and we have that three at the back, right? And Saliba yeah. plays in the middle, and and when we that was why Gabriel missed out at the start of the season, right? Because he wanted Ben White to tuck in. Saliba goes into the middle, and then we had. Um, we had uh, who who we played. We, it was whoever was was left. It was Timber. Really, was coming in as the third centre back. Right. Yeah. That was kind of how we were playing. We didn't have Zinchenko at the time, so that was kind of how we were playing. And I I kind of get why why he did that because you can't have Saliba moving across two positions. Right. Yeah. It, it's very natural for Saliba just to step left, and Ben White steps left, and you know, and then you've got your you've got your back three. Um, whereas I think with Gabriel, it would be a little bit, Gabriel would then be the man in the middle if you were to kind of do it that way. And I don't think that that's really his strength um, because the, you know, of what we demand from that position. So yeah. I do get what, you're, get what you're saying. I think you might be right. Kivior may be the best build up man. We haven't seen it in. We haven't seen it enough. That's no, it. We haven't seen it enough yeah. and we haven't yeah. seen it in the high pressure yeah. situations. Um, but I do think that may well. I think you might see that if if it if push came to shove. I think you might see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you're you're 100 right. I don't think we've seen it enough, but I I do feel like he's the most um, analogous to yeah, yeah, I agree. Saliba right now. Yeah, I, um, I agree. He's definitely closer yeah. than he's, he's definitely close. It's it's him or it's or it's Ben White, and I I think he's probably closer than Ben White is. Yeah, yeah, I I think so as well. And um he he's actually really impressed me. I know he was a little shaky when he first came into the side, but I mean, you know, he's a, a young Polish kid, uh brand new league. I think uh he's kind of went from strength to strength and I've been super impressed by his his passing and uh some of his defensive authority. And he's he's quick too. That that He's quick, helps. yeah. When you yep. when you've got pace it always helps. You got that recovery pace. So it's going to be yep. interesting and I like I said I really hope he does play Wednesday because I do want to see some more of it. Yeah, me too. Actually, I I I'd love to see a little more of your I I've uh like I said, I mean I think he's been uh pretty impressive and I um you know, I'd love to have a little more time to uh analyze the player. Yeah, and the oh. only way you're going to do that is getting him out on the pitch. So yeah, in in Cedric, of course. Yeah, I mean Cedric, he'll. I mean he can he can be the photographer, I guess. I did actually. It's funny you funny you say that because I saw him. He was sitting up in the stands in the stands. Yeah, with Jesus, you see that? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. I did. I did. did. That's kind of why I brought him up. Yeah, well, yeah. it did occur to me when we were doing the teams that 
there is a chance Cedric plays at right back. <laughs> you know, I didn't even include him in my uh, list of defenders because I, oh, I know. Uh, to try and block him out. But there is a chance Cedric plays right back on Wednesday night. I mean, I think it's a small chance, but I, I, there is a chance. Did he play right back against Brentford? I think he did, didn't he? He has played this season. Once. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. It was that Brentford game, I yeah, think. Yeah, the, the, the last round. I, I think mm-hmm. he, he, he did. He did play. Yeah, he came on in like the 83rd or something. Yeah, so there, yeah. Is, there is the there is a chance. He, I mean, I, I think he'll probably get on the pitch, right, at some point, even if it's even if it's late, to get a run out because he's never going to get a game otherwise. So it makes sense to frame him on for no. five minutes at the end, I suppose. But he, he does look like a, like, a, like a happy camper that keeps everybody else's morale up, at least. You know, he's not a sulker. Like, um, you know, no, some, no, like, I'm not trying to... When I'm you not trying to trash the, him. No, when you cut to the bench, he doesn't look like he's a forlorn figure or anything. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And um, so I, I you know, I, I don't really mind keeping him around. I think it's criminal. He's on, you know, uh, the reported a hundred K a week, but you know, it is yeah. what it is. All right. Well, everyone heard that. Justin thinks that Cedric should be the starting right back for the rest of the season. So um, hit, you hit heard it Justin, here first. Hit Justin up on Twitter for that, or X as it's now called. Um, well, thanks a lot, Just, for tonight. Um, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we will speak to you again after the West Ham game and we'll preview the Newcastle game at the weekend. So glad to have you back in the States, Just, even if it's only for a short period of time. And uh, I will catch you later on in the week. See you later. Hey, Gaff. Uh, had a nice time, mate. Thank you. Uh, see you soon. See you later. Bye.